Welcome back, Lit Nerds, to our first edition of St. Mary's Modcasts. Um, I am Kara Villarreal, and I have a hard road to hoe this evening as we discuss Michael P. Branch's How to Cousin Western. But before I get there, let me introduce you to my fellow cousins. I'm Leanne Cowan, and you've got the wrong pig by the tail. I'm Forest LeBaron, and I'm going to catch the weasel asleep. I'm Mary Lynn Hill, and you can hobble my latch pan, <laughs> sister. <laughs> I'm Lane Riggs, and I'm as crooked as a Virginia fence. And we have some tough nuts to crack this evening <laughs> as we delve into Michael P. Branch's How to Cuss in Western. A little bit about the author, Michael P. Branch. He is a professor of literature and environment at the University of Nevada, Reno, where he teaches creative nonfiction, American literature, the literature of human, environmental studies, and film studies. He's published eight books and more than 200 essays. Um, he's received an honorable mention for the Pushcart Prize and been recognized as notable essays in the Best American Short Essays. I totally goofed that up. The Best American Essays three times, among others. He's also the recipient of the Ellen Malloy Desert Writers Award, among others. He's quite accomplished, and we are really excited to be discussing um, his book as we kind of delve into this idea that he approaches a lot through... How to Cousin Western, this idea of transformative landscapes. And we're really going to start off with the geographical transformation of landscapes that his home um, on Ranting Hill in the Great Basin Desert of Nevada with Running Into Winter. Right, so we could talk till the cows come home on this one. <laughs> but... Basically, he starts off with this story. He's in the, his father-in-law's 60th birthday rolls around. And, you know, when your, father, when your father-in-law turns 60, you really want to ask him what his greatest wish in the world is. And when your father-in-law says running, of course you're going to say, that's great, Grandpa. What else? <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what Michael Branch does. But in the end, they actually do end up running a marathon together. And even though he comes in dead last, you know, after his father-in-law, after <laughs> the children, after the 80-year-old lady with the walker, um, he decides he actually likes running. But when you live out in the desert, where are you going to run? Nowhere, really. Until... Up a mountain. Hmm? Up a mountain. Yeah, up a mountain, apparently. <laughs> because he finds a special pair of running shoes that allows him to run up the mountain in winter. So it's just like when your grandparents tell you how they used to walk to school every day. Up the long ways. Uphill both ways. Through the ice and the, the snow. snow. And the rain. And and the don't rain. forget the rain. Don't forget the rain. There's wind. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Lots of wind. Um, so I... I real so what what interested me most about this not only was that he was having to like tackle like this relationship landscape with his father in law, um, also going back to California, which he addresses in one of his prior essays. But this idea of like the name of the shoe is Ice Bug, mm-hmm. and as I'm sitting here thinking like Ice Bug like Water Bug because like he describes how the shoes work yeah. right yeah. where you basically. Like, the pressure of the runner's foot causes the spikes to extend out. 
Um, as opposed to like a normal track shoe, like sprint shoe where like the spikes are oh, straight down. They're straight yeah. down and they're stationary. They stay there all the time. So it's almost like, I love that they're called ice bug because, you know, water bugs, the legs, they create tension on the water so that they can skid across that. Um, and then like here, like that's exactly what those ice spikes are doing that allows um, him to climb, to, to run up the mountain. Um, and the ice and the snow, and then to run back down, down. it, right? Right. Um, Interactive cleats. Yes. <laughs> so I think that, like, not only is he talking about, like, geographical transformation, but these shoes which transformed the act of running on ice allowed him to transform his thought about running in general because, you know, he says that he's never been a runner, um, mm -hmm. but... That that endorphin that runners high from the half marathon thought maybe he could be, but then how did how do you tackle that, right in the desert when you go from one extreme to the next almost like walking a few feet, walk a few feet, walking yeah. a few feet, yeah. So are the shoes then a metaphor also for his relationship with his father-in-law? Well, he says, perhaps I was simply ill-equipped, and he says that throughout the whole entire mm -hmm. thing, and so I think it's it's kind of some of his anxieties that get transferred from mm -hmm. not only his, his space that surrounds him, but, like, the people that surround him as well, because he, he gives in, and he goes, and he runs this mm -hmm. marathon, <laughs> yeah. and he knows he's not going to come in first in any kind of way, right, but he yeah. still does it because it's for his family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that, like, you know, kind of like going along with the ideas, like, it, are the shoes the metaphor for the relationship um, with his family? He says here on page 184, the farthest I, the farther I ran, the more I trusted the crazy shoes. And with that trust <laughs> came comfort and with comfort speed and with speed, the return of that species of exhilaration that is unique to running. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I just, I wonder then if that's, um, if, if that is just, you know, kind of something that encapsulates this whole, like, idea of, like, when we are in even geographical crisis, if we trust the geography or the place that we're from in transforming us, then we can find the peace to live within that geographical mm -hmm. boundary. To do that. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Such Sweet Sorrow as a story that helps us explore transforming social landscapes and the social power of the fart? <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite. <laughs> this is my straight favorite um, story of the entire collection here. I think that it is delightful. Um, he does bring up a lot of good points. Like, for example, a fart is basically just a sneeze from the other end. So he, writes, he writes on page 37, if I am blessed for publicly detonating a high-velocity snot shower, why must I beg pardon for farting as if it were a crime? Yeah. Which is very interesting to me because in the deaf community, bodily functions are okay like it's not even a big deal if you fart you fart it's natural mm -hmm. like we talk about bodily functions all the time you'd be like 
did you poop today? Did you poop? Yeah, good. Okay, cool. I haven't done it yet, so if you just leave the bathroom free for a little bit, that'd be great. You know, I think about that, too, because... So I'm recent. So I've been married a year, so it's, it's still pretty new, and I still have this fear of farting in front of my husband because <laughs> I'm like worried that it's like this big faux pas that automatically he's gonna be like, oh, yeah, time nope. for a divorce. Time for a divorce. <laughs> That's it. Need a new model. Um, but <laughs> right, one that doesn't flatulate. Um, but I, it, I, I love this here that this idea that the thing that that connects us like because we're always asking like well what connects us to each mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. um and and we're like really trying to like reach out there oh well it's our ability to think it's our b- ability to feel emotion it's our ability to rationalize but really what connects us all and what what he says connects all mammals is the fact that we fart mm-hmm. i mean something so basic that we could really all get behind right <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not too far behind. But so so yeah, and I, I love that he ties in the idea of um, farting with societal transformation and really using that for freedom. Because I really I think yeah. that that is like the linchpin of, of really this whole idea. And, and he carries that theme often throughout um, How to Cuss in Western because, you know, that that's what he feels that he has out there on um, his um, home mountain on Ranting Hill is that it allows him the freedom to, to, to express himself from free from societal um, implications and, and all of that. And so... I want I want that for a minute. I want to be able to <laughs> pass gas in public should I need to without fear of reprisal or divorce or divorce. <laughs> but it's like he says, farts like love are an inevitable byproduct of our humanity. Yes, yes, absolutely. All of his eighty-seven references to farting of the two hundred and. 61 synonyms from Urban Dictionary. Mm-hmm. He got quite a few of them in there. He did. I was impressed. He used a lot of good phrases, too. <laughs> One cheek sneak. Yes. The bench warmer. Mm-hmm. Let's see. A little backdraft. Yes. This is my favorite. And, like, this is one of my favorite from a syntactical standpoint. So I was thinking about okay. the linguistics course we took, I took last semester. Um, and it says, here it's I paraphrase now. the poet Galway Kennell's irrefutable scatological, which is a beautiful word, insight that those who don't poop don't live while those who do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just think that that was like really like if you like in my my musical mind is like kind of like trying to like do, 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 do. Like and, and I'm just like <laughs> he's he's like really like pulling on the musicality of flatulence and I just it just it's just lovely. <laughs> uh, speaking of music, um, what about the emotional um, transformations in Desert River music? What did y'all think of that? Hmm. I didn't understand really the at first where it was going. And then the whole scenery of the river and mm-hmm. my mind instantly jumped to sunset over the water mm-hmm. and it was just yeah. a very peaceful tranquil kind of 
setting, and then mm-hmm. all these people started to come and listen to them, and just the the kind of sense of camaraderie and being able to be there for your fellow being mm-hmm. was very um, eye-opening. Yeah. yeah, and it was definitely eye eye-opening that if they hadn't gone to the river and played music, that these people would have never heard them play. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, it was creating a bond between them because by chance they were there and all these other people came to listen to them. Yeah. Um, I really love that. Like, and I know, um, like, we talked a little bit about, you know, society as well because the people that come to hear them play the music are homeless. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. They have nowhere to go. And, like, really, like, I think here in like transforming an emotional landscape, you also have the ability to break down societal mm-hmm. barriers. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is so and powerful. And music yeah. is a really great pathway for that. Um, I mean, maybe we can add that to the list of all the things that connect us, and that's music, along with, you know. Uh, flatulence. Uh, <laughs> which is a type of music. Which, which yeah. can be, it, it, it's, it's very bassy. Among others. It's a, Among yeah, others. It's, it's trumpety. We're, we're trumpeting here. Um, but I really love this last image here um, where one of the l- listeners who have come to, to listen to the music, um, he didn't have anything to give um, Michael P. Branch and his friend Smooby, which is Smooth Brad, um, accept the gift of the gift of a place, mm-hmm. a, gi- a gift of a place um, where they could be safe and warm. And I just like that's really. I think there's, I don't, I'm kind of lost for words because it's just such a beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like he offered it. Yeah. He yes. offered it to these two people who created this music, yeah. which created this refuge and community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All in a single evening. Mm-hmm. And it really connected them to each other, even though, number one, they've never met each other. Number two, a lot of people's first instinct is when they see a homeless person is to walk the opposite mm-hmm. direction. Right. right. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Something that just, like, hit in my mind is, like, okay, so my brain's working overtime here. But this story occurs <laughs> almost in the middle, like, dead center of the book. And it, like, thinking about it and, and, you know, hearing your perspectives, it's really got me thinking about how this story is kind of... Because he talks about the story talking about um, the river, uh, the Truckee River, Right, so we really have this intersection of emotion, society, and place. Like, geography all converging here in this one single story. Intersectionality of it. Yes, 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 yes. Um, And I think if there were going to be one story that you would ever read from How to Cuss in Western, it might have to be this story. Yeah. Because it does... Desert River music? Because it does... It connects it connects all. it all mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He even yeah. brings in his family too, and mm-hmm. the fact that the hobo's lullaby is the one that he sings to his daughters mm-hmm. to go to sleep. Yeah. yeah, and so that it shows that that experience really just kind of stayed with him and traveled with him, and it and that connection mm-hmm. is never going to truly leave. Right. 
it's truly transformative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So with this collection, Michael Branch helps us transform, or he invites us into the transformation of the geographic dimensions of our life, of the social landscapes and geographic landscapes and the emotional landscapes of our life and how we can through observation of the most basic dimensions of the human experience or the mammalian experience transform our selves absolutely mm -hmm. right. through a human awareness and fundamental human kindness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and bringing these things into everyday conversation and everyday actions mm -hmm. right absolutely and that's how we transform our lives is if it is we can, if we can harness that that's how we can transform things well lit nerds and ladies Thank you for um, cussing in Western with us tonight as we discussed uh, Michael P. P. Branch and transformative landscapes. Um, we do hope that you stick around with us by hitting like and subscribe, and we'll see you on the other side of the mountain. <laughs>